Hi, this is Brett Smith, and you're listening to the FSF Popcast. The show that helped you remember that being called a scruffy nerf herder isn't a bad thing. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give Redshirt crewman number 130. He'll know that when he puts on the red shirt and joins Peter Pan and the Lost Boys in their adventure of being a family, that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope, because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back and what's left of his pixie dust. All right, guys, welcome to the FSF Podcast. I'm very excited today because we have a guest with us who's an up-and-coming writer, producer, director. I think there's about seven other hats he wears uh, throughout the rest of his films. We'll get into that here. But he also recently released, rather, let's try that again. He also recently released a movie called Freedom's Path, which he also released as a short back in 2015. So we're excited to talk to him about the transition of this being a short to a feature-length film. Uh, this is gone for the rest of his career and what else is coming up. So everybody, please, let's welcome Brett Smith to the FSF Podcast. Welcome to the show, Brett. Thank you so much for having me. Super excited to be here. So Brett, Freedom's Path was released on February 3rd, so not just uh, too very long ago. Today is February 10th, so it was a week ago today. Uh, it has been met with a very favorable response so far. Uh, from what I could see, and according to IMDb, which we know does lie from time to time, we, we probably shouldn't say that it lies because we get a lot of information from there. It's not entirely accurate. Uh, but it's from every accurate. <laughs> it, It's more accurate than Wikipedia. True. Mm, maybe. Uh, but I did see that it won Best Film at six separate film festivals so far. It's been nominated for a few others. And uh, critically, it's getting some very nice reviews, not only from the critics, but also the stay-at-home critics uh, like us. Hi, how's it going? Uh, people who who uh, are just, you know, the, the everyday viewer and watcher of movies have also responded very well to this movie. So what I'm hoping you'll do is take us through the journey that went from this film being a short back in 2015 to being an award-winning feature-length critically acclaimed film in the year 2023. And what has that journey meant for you as a, as a filmmaker? Oh my goodness, uh, sit back and get comfortable. So cut me off when I start rambling too long. No, 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 so, I got my tea. We're good to go. Let's do this. Hey, good. Beautiful, beautiful. No, so yeah, 2015, it actually began about five years before that. So um, it's been a 12, 12 plus year journey for me to get to where we are now. And I started actually with a concept teaser. So we basically just, me and my DP at the time, 11, 12 years ago, um, I had already been conceptualizing it before this, but grabbed the camera, grabbed his gear. We went out to a local reenactment shoot and got a bunch of footage and put together like a concept teaser of a mood reel, basically, that we could send out. And that was kind of the genesis of the visual representation of the film back in 2011. And then 2015, at the request of a uh, big Hollywood producer, he said, hey, first time director, big scope, crazy film. Like, you know, I don't know if I trust you. This concept teaser looks beautiful, but let me see a scene from the film. So we actually went and shot a scene, like kind of a heavy scene from the film and called that a short film in a lot of ways for, from a marketing standpoint as well to just say, hey, there's been more done for this. Um, and the process for me, I think I'm, I'm, I'm for anyone out there in the arts or film or anything, I'm not someone, to, I didn't go to film school. I don't have a family connected to Hollywood. I'm just a kid with, uh, I'm not a kid anymore. I was a kid at the time you know, with this dream and this passion of telling the story that motivated me so much that I had to tell it. So 
you know, one of the biggest elements of that 12 year process to be able to get the film to where it is today was the financing process. I, you know, I didn't, I don't have a trust fund. I don't have some, you know, family member that could just write some huge check for me. So I spent two and a half years uh, online, reaching out cold, sending out over 4,300 emails to individuals, ultimately to find the financing myself through that process and allow me, allow me to, to, to tell the story. That's impressive. I mean, just, I mean, that's a lot of groundswell work. I, I, I mean, I think about, I mean, I send a couple hundred emails a week doing what I do here, but I think, you know, wow, 4,300 emails. That's a lot of typing. It is a lot. It was interesting is it's, it was, it was very, it was had to be very specific. I was, I had a, a method of trying to identify who a potential financier might be. So even just to find one email may have taken me three, four hours to do. So it was about 10 hours a day for two and a half years trying to send those emails out, you know, to very, very targeted people where I could. And, and it, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely a challenge in the process, but I think one of those things like life, when you look back, you know, a lot of filmmakers, I don't know that I'll ever have the creative freedom to be able to, to tell a film the way I did with this one, because these investors came in with equity and it, you know, oftentimes a studio will do something or a production company and you're kind of beholden to other people in the, in the filmmaking process. And so, we really were this group of friends and filmmakers that got to go off into Northwest Arkansas and literally tell the exact story we want to tell. And that's a good thing where if it succeeds, Hey, we got to tell our story. If it doesn't, then we take all the blame as well. So, you know, uh, time, time will ultimately tell on that, but we, we were really happy and feel proud about what we did. Um, and then I think you asked about the kind of the genesis of the story or where it kind of came from. Yeah, where did you get the story from, and 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 what has this journey meant for you along the way? Sure, yeah, I mean, the story comes from a place. So I love history. I love American history in particular, and this idea of a nation, you know, brand new, less than ninety years old. It's built and predicated on liberty and freedom, and yet a portion of that country denies that freedom and liberty to individuals. You know, and ultimately has them in bondage. I thought there's. There's so much unexplored there in terms of just the the dramatic nature of of this era in American history. I'd also growing up, I'd never seen. I don't. I should say I, I typically see stories where it was the African American character that was needing in, in need of help or rescue. And so we flip that narrative where it's our white Union soldier who's in need of rescue mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And that comes that rescue comes by way of these free African Americans uh, of the story. And I think the other thing that was really motivating and moving for me was. Um, I had, uh, I didn't, I didn't know this. I didn't learn this growing up. It was that, you know, there were over 250,000 free African-Americans living in the South leading up to and during the civil war, which is actually a larger number than lived in the North at the time. And I thought to myself, how have we never had, not had a story about, about these individuals? This is, these are Americans. This is, this is such a proud thing in our heritage to realize these people, you know, lived and persevered and, and fought so that whether it's just to survive and, or, for the next generation to have something more than they did. And so that was a big motivating, motivating factor for me. And then the final thing before I get to kind of what it's meant to me is um, I wanted to tell a story, not about these big people that we've known about from this era, like Abraham Lincoln or Harriet Tubman or Frederick Douglass. These people were, were legendary in their own time, but I was very interested and fascinated to tell a story about the everyday common unknown person that like you and me that, you know, or maybe more, maybe more like me than you, but, but, people whose stories have been lost to time, people, soldiers who died in some distant battlefield who never made it home or individuals who lived under slavery or bondage, whose, you know, whose graves are, are long since, you know, covered in brush. And what was their story? What were their, what were their desires and hopes? That was, that was a big 
a big driving force for me is to tell a story of the everyday individual and what that life was like, you know, back then and what it's meant to me. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, I wanted this story so bad. I, it, it, it moved me so much to the point. The only way I can describe it is when you're hungry, you have to eat. And when you're tired, you know, you have to sleep. That was how compelled I was about this story to represent, you know, these different, these different individuals and in, in this, in this period of time. And so it's, it's really taught me so much about life, the, the journey, the 12 year journey to make this film about never giving up and recognizing, look, your, your dreams, they're never going to happen the way you anticipate. You're going to have a lot more no's along the way. It's not going to be in a straight line like you may imagine, you know, that dream happening, but you, it still can feel as sweet along the way. And, and it, it really is the, a process of the journey and the, the learning that goes along with it. And I think for me, I've been trying to remind myself that that's life. You know, we get a lot of, we, we, it doesn't happen the way we want it to, but it's still beautiful along the way. Excellent. Those are all great answers. And, and I think that your passion has, is why there's, you know, it's getting such a critical response that it is. And from what I'm also seeing, it's, it's getting uh, extended showings at the, the theaters that it's been sent to um, people are, are having such a strong and emotional response to this movie. So uh, kudos to you and your, your cast, your crew, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I mean, playing off all, what you've already, playing off what you've already talked about, we mentioned a little bit before show that we had a chance to talk to a famo yesterday and he had such high praise for the commitment that you've put into this project and then also while talking to a famo he was talking about his character in the in the movie elias freeman and i had this realization in the middle of the interview yesterday that somebody who i know whose last name is freeman that probably wasn't his family's last name before the civil war and i mean it just that small detail hit and i sat there for a second with the oh, wait a second, this was so life-changing for so many people. So were there any details in writing and directing this film, either, I mean, any of the any of the times that you've been working on this that sort of jumped out at you and helped you appreciate how much changed for the people who were most directly affected by these events that play out in the movie? Yeah, fantastic question. And yes, I mean, so there's something in, in the process of research, there's something called the Federal Writers Project that you can find at the Library of Congress. It's open source. It's it's this amazing thing where the government in the 1930s and 40s sent out a couple hundred interviewers into the South and the Southeast to interview the last living generation of individuals who lived under slavery, under bondage. And what was amazing is when they interviewed these individuals, some of them are as old as like 107 years old. So these people were like 30, 35 years old at the, at the time of the end of the Civil War. And, and they recorded these interviews frenetically, so they didn't change for proper grammar or English, if you will. So you can get a sen really sense, a sense of, of, of their speech, of, of flow of language. And the stories in there are so profound. They're, some of them are slice of life. Some of them are funny. Some of them are just so tragic. It makes 12 Years a Slave look like it's you know, a Disney movie, you know, with some of, the, some of the stuff these people went through. But wanting to incorporate as much of these true honest accounts that no one's ever heard of that no one's ever experienced and and these memories that these people had incorporating that into the film and so it, it really breathed the life into the film into the characters where when you're there when you're standing like i'm from the pacific northwest up in uh, seattle washington and so we're as far away from this element of american history for us it's lewis and clark native american indigenous people up here and so standing on that ground you know where individuals bled and died in, on battlefields and and people you know sweat and and went through all the, the toil and issues of, of slavery when you're when you're when you're there and you're recounting these things in a lot of ways honoring these dreams that these individuals had at the time it was 
so profound as and, and I mean even in some small things like Argent Tyler plays the role of Kitsch or kind of the hero of the film, if you will, this 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 free man who is this, this central role, just the name Kitsch, right? I came across it, I was wanting to find a name that was authentic and going through slave logs, right? And and all I could see was Kitsch, 32 male, ship, the Edgefield, and he sailed from Savannah, uh, Georgia to Charleston Harbor. That's all we know of him. But for me, it's like, how can we incorporate these people and this this time as much as we can? Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I think, I don't know if that answers the question, but that's kind it of does. trying to it incorporate really as much as we can. And like you mentioned, the the big names, the people who we learn about in our history textbooks, those are the ones who get the attention, but they weren't necessarily the ones who were the most affected by it. They weren't the ones who were on the front lines as much they didn't they weren't their lives weren't changed dramatically by these scenarios like the people that were interviewed that you found their stories and you're making sure that their stories are still heard absolutely yeah i think i think that was that was so big is is just again wanting to find wanting to find those stories and those characters and and a story in general that we could all sit and relate to, you know, it's not, it's not some, it is a larger than life story and we all have a larger than life circumstances that we're put up against, but, but it's, it's away from the spotlight. And it's, you know, this, I think it just something that we could all watch and just feel connected to in a different way, you know, have have a big feel, but at the same time be very, very intimate. And it's really a human story about individuals overcoming, you know, significant challenges that we all have to overcome in our lives at different times. I mean, I know that I'm I'm incredibly interested in seeing it. I've been looking at where where it's playing nearby. I have it would have been my five times great grandfather. He was a Union soldier. Like I've got that connection to the Union side of it. Growing up in Michigan, there's houses that were part of the Underground Railroad. Like this is this is the history that I know and love. And to see this other side of it, to see this personalized story of it, is super exciting to me. I mean, the time that makes me excited to hear that. <laughs> I'm super excited about it. I know I'm going to cry. I know it's going to it's going to emotionally move it's, me. But that's it's the only time I'm, I'm hopeful that people cry. Like I'm happy. <laughs> and normally I'm not happy when people cry. But it's yeah. If I hear someone crying, this one's good. That's so awesome. hopefully you do. Hopefully you cry a lot. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> I will. I cry really easily. But watch the trailer. You're going to tear up. I, I haven't even watched the trailer yet. Like the trailer, I, I, I looked at the website. I read like the little synopsis, and that was enough to get me a little misty eyed and. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be Yeah, there's a couple spots in the trailer where I, whereas I was watching them like that in context is gonna be tough. <laughs> That's gonna be tough. There's a part where uh <laughs> uh you and Bremer is just screaming at somebody and he he's not he doesn't play a very nice white man. Um and uh but he's doing it well and I'm I'm sure that's a hard role for somebody to play. But he's he's screaming in the trailer and I'm just like Oh, that's not going to be a fun scene. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, Brett, we are all nerds. We love origin stories and we love the origin stories of the villains and of the heroes. But you are our hero of our story today. So what is your origin story? How did you get to where you are today? Oh, man. Uh I think it was, it was just a long process. So I grew up, I grew up, I was never one of those guys that said, hey, I'm going to be a film director. I want to make movies. I love movies. I've always loved movies, but I'm not a cinephile. I'm not someone who can quote film history. I respect it and love it and I'm learning it, but I'm, I've never been that way. Um, and so I grew up thinking I was going to play sports, played baseball, you know, late into life and, and loved it. But it was so, but I always had a camera with friends. We'd always go off into the woods and 
you know, shoot little spoof goofy videos. And, and, uh, you know, I was, I never, I was, I think I was too afraid to be, you know, join video production in high school or, or middle school. Cause there was already those Steven Spielberg guys or girls in our, in our school that mm-hmm. were kind of, you know, and I was like, I, I, I can't touch that. So we just did our own thing. And, uh, it got to a place late in high school where I was wanting to tell stories where, you know, where it was getting a little more dramatic. And my friends like, Brett, I'm not crying on camera. I'm like, come on, like, you know, just I'll poke you or something. We'll fake it. You know, I'll <laughs> poke you. <laughs> it, it wouldn't do it. So, so I had to kind of naturally go find, you know, local actors and local talent that were willing to, you know, get involved. And, and then, you know, the, then it became, Oh, Hey, I have a wedding. Can you shoot our wedding? And sure. And then editing kind of became more of a thing for me. And so it was definitely a natural progression. And I'm also not a filmmaker who, who, is just so obsessed with film that I just want to make a movie to make a movie because the process to make a film, the time that it takes, hopefully never as long as this one again, maybe, maybe longer, who knows, but it's such a long process. There's such a level of sacrifice that goes into it. I have to be, I'm just someone that has to tell a story that compels me. And when that, when that happens, I just have to, I have to go, you know? And so, um, yeah, it was definitely when I first started off on this journey in terms of doing outreach, I did not know what I did not know. And I did not know anything. And so, I mean, when I was reaching out to people, it was, it was, just, I was as a greenhorn as you could get, re, you know, trying to go, you know, have meetings in LA and, and different things and found some success there, but realized very quickly, you know, if, if I was going to ha- be able to make this film, I had to go off on some untrodden path and kind of do it my own way. Because the more I tried to go the route that everyone said the classic route to go, the more I found that there was just long lines it was going to take forever. And ultimately everyone's going to say, Hey, get in line kid and start over here, do something else. You'll never make it. You're doing this story. You're crazy. So I really just kind of found, I've always kind of been a, um, not anti-authority, but I definitely like to test things and and see if there are other ways to do things. And, and that's kind of been, that's kind of where, how this film came to be is just, it's, I think the one thing we're trying to get out is, is that, that for my story, everything, I'm just a guy that wanted to tell, to make a movie. And and I was dumb enough to keep doing it for long enough that someone let me do it. <laughs> Did you have to get poked in order? No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> that's actually fantastic. I'll poke you with something. It'll be fine. You yeah, can cry. It'll be easy. Just All a quick right. little prick, you know? All right. Oh, that's great. All right. So Brett, we talked earlier about, you know, the things we found out about you from IMDb. Now, one of the things that IMDb says about you is that you have worn the hats of a producer. You've been a writer or director, sometimes simultaneously, uh, especially on some of the shorts. That's typically how some of the shorts work. You got one or two guys as your cast and crew and, you know, and then, you know, a couple actors and whatever else. But out of those three hats, writer, producer, director, is there one of those that you prefer that you feel allows you to be the most creative uh in your in your art great question i definitely directing i mean they all have producing is out of necessity right because for me it was the more i found that if i i I couldn't pass the ball to somebody because then i would have to rely on them doing what they say they were going to do in a level of passion and art and that's that's challenging so producing is out of necessity i do it when i have to um directing is absolutely the best like getting getting to see getting to see the dream go from a concept to like you're watching the sets being built and you're 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 positioning with your director of photography the camera you know it's all a magician's trick i love that right it's everything can be going on in your world and it's just this little box that you have to trick people into watching and making sure that it that it feels like what you're trying to say i love that writing i would say would be a close second in, in sense because 
kind of out of necessity too. It's if, if I want to tell the stories that really move and inspire, inspire me, I've got to write them, but I'd probably say, I'd probably say directing and then whatever it takes to direct, I'll put those hats on. So maybe 50 other hats to do that. You know? <laughs> Food truck, here it comes. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but okay. So let me ask you this real quick, just as a secondary to that, because this, I was thinking about this as you were, you're saying as a writer out of necessity, producer out of necessity. Now, do you can like, did you growing up, did you enjoy writing or do you, do you enjoy writing now? Or is it just done out of necessity to get to the finished product of what you're trying to accomplish? Great question. So I, I, I was really bad at school. Like, like I barely graduated high school, like really bad. I had some personal things when I lost a family member and different things. And, and that didn't help. I love learning. I absolutely love learning, but I didn't realize until I was way outside of high school, looking back, realizing how much I loved English and how much I loved reading, even though I didn't like to do the work and I procrastinated. So in terms of writing, I'm a horrible writer in terms of being what a writer should be. And that is like actually writing a lot and, and consistently. I enjoy it when I'm doing, I enjoy, I enjoy it when the flow is there and I, and like everything's good. But, uh, but I'm also, I think I have, such a respect for it that I, I I'm afraid to call myself a director or a writer or any of these things where I'm just I'm just trying to tell stories so I to answer your question I, I absolutely love it I absolutely enjoy it I'm not good enough by any means but I, I trip my way long enough through it and then and hope people are kind enough to read through the grammatical errors as they read read my work <laughs> fair enough all right it's a good answer so, so you'd rather tell a story with a picture than with words yeah, I think I think so. There may be a time, but but yeah, I, I think so. Right right now, yes. But I do I do say I will say I love books and novels and the and being able to create a world that you really can't create any other way. As as, as great as technology is and film is, it cannot touch a candle to what an author can a true author can do with with a story and a world building and and the visuals that you create in your own mind. So that I have a, a love respect for that. But yeah, as of right now. Well, yeah, yeah, film. Let's we'll stick with pictures. Yeah. <laughs> so, talking about films, one of your other films, uh, Neverland, is about a young man who tries to escape from his life in the inner inner city by daydreaming about Neverland and Peter Pan, and without giving away anything because people really need to see this for themselves. It is a very real and very powerful story in a very short amount of time. So, how do you find the inspiration to look into the brutality of the real world? and create something so beautiful and moving without shying away from the ugliness that is simultaneous in that story? Man, what a, you guys are crushing with these questions. These are so good. We try. Uh, my goodness. Um, you know, I think for me, it everything for me when it comes to storytelling is all about a feeling. I'm always trying to capture a feeling with words as opposed to trying to just tell something with words. And, and I think I... I can appreciate all kinds of stories, but the stories I I personally do not have a, a deep love for stories where I don't get something out of it from watching it. Whether I feel, especially when you really there's a heart to it. I, I love to I love films with a soul. You know that you that you walk away from and they don't leave you. They stick with you. An element of it or stories, whatever it may be. And so that's a big key component is always wanting to walk the line of going into the shadows but never living there right going into the places that we know we all experience in life that we all can understand and and conceptualize but but then showing showing the heart and the love and and the the other side of life that is so beautiful and, and can be so fleeting and hard to hard to capture and grasp onto you know those moments in our lives that 
we look back on so fondly, whether it's with loved ones or whatever it may be at time, times in life, you know, trying to capture those in a film is so amazing and allow an audience to go in and experience those special life moments. Um, that's just, that's, yeah, I think that's, that's a, a key element of the stories that I try and hopefully that I, I try to tell and hopefully, hopefully they come across in, in the stories that I'm, I'm telling. Mm -hmm. yeah. I personally, I really enjoyed Neverland as well. Um, and I really, I personally saw an allegory of how Michael likes to look to fantasy to help escape from reality and how we often will use entertainment to get some, get through some of our roughest days. And I love the ending of Neverland. So if anyone hasn't seen it, they should go watch it before we get into this next question, just in case there are any spoilers. But what was the meaning to Neverland to you? Like, what was the point you were trying to get across? You know, it. Uh, that's I, I'll say as Never, Neverland is a general. That's my next freedom's path. Like that, it may take me fifteen years to do it, but the feature film. That's that's kind of the next really big passion for me to do that to do this to this film. Um, I think what I was trying to get across honestly was, I I, I read this uh, Hans Christian Andersen book, The Little Matchstick Girl, and it it just it's a it's a story that often is associated with Christmas, and and it's this just heart-wrenching beautiful short story that he wrote and i mean it is just amazing and that was that was a big it was really i lost my mom when i was 11 years old and so there's a, a lot of my own personal story in it and and just it's just about a boy wanting to feel at home and wanting to wanting to have that searching for home and, and what is home and and i thought there's nothing more there's nothing more perfect and beautiful than this concept of you know, Neverland, right? This, this, especially in a world that's so dark and, and brutal and the Neverland that, that I'm wanting to depict is not the whimsical Disney version that you, that you may think of typically. It's much more naturalistic. It's much more grounded in, in his perception of reality and, and what does that look like? And, and, uh, and I, I love the idea of, I think, blending, blending some of these ethereal spiritual elements with, with this hard life and, and what, what do I hope for, you know, when, when death comes for me, you know, is, is this, you know, this beautiful, this, this beautiful tie into all these things that I love and, and my loved ones, you know, greeting, greeting me effectively. And uh, yeah, yeah, not to wax too poetic or get too, too mm -hmm. long on it, but it's definitely a, a big, a big uh, passion project for me. Yeah. Awesome. One Excellent. of the things that my husband noticed with it, my husband works in the local hospital he does supply chain so he's the one who makes sure that the hospital has all of their medical supplies that they need and he's like what got me was the that's the the same oxygen mask i make sure that we have on the shelf in the er and i'm like i'm okay i got this no i'm not i'm not okay like i said i cry easily this is not fair good that's good emotion's an amazing thing we don't see enough of it today it's good at least there it means go. i'm hydrated right exactly I keep exactly i'm hydrated for once yes. hydrate don't dehydrate there you go <laughs> all right you mean so, hydrate? well in this sense yes hydrate. i need i need that on a shirt all right so brett one of the things that we've come across with a lot of other creatives that we've talked to is that um we've discussed often burnout you know, because creatives put so much of themselves into everything that they're doing because 
like you mentioned, th- these these past two films, both Neverland and and Freedom's Path, are both passion projects for you. And when something's so passionate, it becomes a part of us, and it's becoming becomes this driving force where everything we're doing, like you mentioned, ten hour days, forty three hundred emails, you know, you're trying to make sure that this thing was getting up and going. So, how do you, as a creative person? recharge your batteries to avoid burnout and allow you to press on to your next passion project again you guys are just like these are just incredible questions um i'm still learning i would say i'm definitely still learning because i think when when art and business intersect it's really challenging it's just brutal i mean it's just it's just so incredibly hard when you have that passion you want to tell it i would say generally speaking you have to have a support system that like really is behind you because you're going to hear so many no's. You're going to he- have so many brick walls that you run into, so many issues. And, you know, I, 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 I always try and connect the process for me, the filmmaking process. It may not be this way for other people. For me, it is climbing a mountain, but it's a mountain that is like a never ending mountain. You get to where, what the peak that you perceive as the peak. And then you realize you're at a new precipice looking, you know, a new vantage point looking at a mm-hmm. new peak. And I, I found for me, there's been so many times where it's it's not me climbing up the mountain. It's 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 my loved ones, my wife, you know, my dad, my 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 business partners, my producers. They carried me up that mountain more than I walked it, you know. And so when I fell off the saddle, it was when when despair hits and when you feel like you can't go, you know, you have to have the people who believe in you to the point where they're not going to let you quit. They believe in you sometimes more than you believe in yourself in those dark moments because it's not. It's, there's nothing, there's nothing glamorous about the process of trying to get a film made. It is, you know, like any, like any endeavor in life, it's just, it's just hard work and perseverance and it's, it's, it's attrition, you know, it's just how long can you keep at it? And it's, it's a barrier to entry. You have to know that it's going to ask of you so much. I, I always actually say, I think the great, and this probably applies to almost everything in life. The greatest, the greatest filmmakers who have ever lived have never actually made a film you know, because they may have had other responsibilities. They may have had to take care of family or they may have lived in an era where they didn't have technology to be able to actually to do it or live in a part of the world that they couldn't do it in. Um, or it just, they were called to do something much bigger and better, you know, with their, with, you know, that doesn't mean they're not an incredible artist or an incredible person being able to create. I think that's something I believe fully. So it's, I'd say just, yeah, just sticking with it and having people that will not let you fall because you're going to fall and they're going to have to pick you up. Great answer. Yeah. Yeah, I also want to point out that we think that the people who are probably the best parents are the people who have never had kids. They have the best advice. Just Luke. It's a running joke between Kathleen and I. So it's so true, though. I mean, oh, if you ask that's... me, it's duct tape and shot collars, but <laughs> and that's why it's always right. And that's why Nick has no kids. That's why Nick's still single and has no kids. So <laughs> oh goodness. Although duct tape's not the worst idea. See, anyway, certain days, it's catching certain on. Days. Yeah, certain there, days. There that's... are days. <laughs> there are days. Anyway, so technology has made creating art easier in a lot of ways, and more people have access to the tools to create and the resources to help them create their art. So the point of entry has been significantly easier in the last few years. So, what would you tell that young creative person with their first camera and video editing software to keep in mind to help them along the way? Basically, what advice would you give to your younger self that you wish you had known when you were getting started? Oh my goodness. Um, oh man, I would say, I would say that it's, it's twofold. I would say if you're just getting started, do as much as you can, as often as you can, whenever you can, like go make short films, 
don't worry about film festivals and spending the money and waiting to get awards or waiting to get accepted. Like, just do it. Just get out there and do it because the best way to learn is to make mistakes and to be out in there. And those are the, that's, that's film school. Like, that is what, what you will learn. Um, for people who have already been doing it for some time and feel like they've done that and they've been on that process, it would be when you're ready to plant that flag in that hill and you're ready to make that stand, you know, find that story you can't not tell. You have to have the why. And when you have that, you go all in and you do give everything you have because like you said, there's a way, you know, you may not, you may want to, don't try and make a $50 million film because you're not going to be able to make a $50 million film for your first film. You know, if someone says that you have to have $2 million to make it, I, you can probably do it for $50,000 or less than that and find, go find, go find a hundred people to give you $500, whatever you have to do, do whatever you have to do to get it done and and give it everything that you have, but, but never settle and, um, and, and just have those, have that team with you, you know, but if you're just starting out, just do it and you go for it with everything you have, everything you have to go for it. I'm just seeing that Shia LaBeouf GIF as he's like, do it. Yeah, there you go. Yes, exactly. We can put that up. Yep. And I just saw, I saw Palpatine do it. (laughs) Exactly. And I flash back to high school when I did make some films and like the film classes and stuff. One of them was uh, How to Catch a Predator, but it was with Barney (laughs) and we made a Barney outfit and everything. And it was more of a a mockumentary type thing. And, and, uh, the other one was more of a horror where people's pets started like turning on them and one kid had a pet squirrel and it would like c- crawl up his pant leg and oh you gotta post these. Put, these put these in the in the comment section so i can look at these later because i gotta see these people uh, have you not had psychiatric care yet you know i've covered this so many times i <laughs> The psychologist I talked to said I was too good to be true. So, <laughs> as in, like you were all of the psychoses. They this kid's a gold mine. Somebody? <laughs> no, I was below normal. He was Abby. Abby normal. Abby Norman. Well, that makes sense too. Oh goodness. So, Brett, we have a Facebook group with over two hundred and nine thousand members, and it is just filled with memes of this universe smashed together with this other universe and and it goes on forever so where do you like to hang your nerd cap or oh man man where do i like like in terms of what like what like story world i would like to be in i'm seeing star wars like i love star wars you can't you can't go wrong with star wars sure what story what sci-fi universe or or what nerdiverse would you like to vacation in oh my goodness i honestly i take me to to the times of ready player one um that was i don't know if that's i don't know if that would be the i have not i have not been lost in a film i haven't read the book i need to read the book because everyone says the book's infinitely better but uh, so much better oh that that world that world seems pretty i mean we may be going towards that world pretty soon but it's that that seems that seems pretty fun yeah uh i love uh, so i love the movie ready player one the book is so much better i personally love the audio book because it's read by will wheaton and it's phenomenal so i mean if you like audio books I would suggest getting the audiobook because Will does just a fantastic job uh, in narrating that. 
and reading it and just doing everything with it. It's just, it's perfect with, with oh, amazing. So, oh, I'll, check, I'll for sure have to check that out. I'm so, realizing yeah. how much I like audiobooks. It is so, so much easier. I mean, especially with little kids, there's audiobooks. no time to sit and read a story. Those are my I jam. Can a, I can have a headphone in and still be dealing with my tiny human yep. while having a book read to me. Yep. I can be doing stuff around the house. I have my earbuds in, walking around, listening to a book, doing stuff. It's easier than just sitting down. And so, but anyway, that's just my suggestion. And I mean, it. when yeah. you have little kids, as soon as your butt hits a comfortable surface, they're like, Hey, can you? Yeah. No. And uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll also read ready player two as well. So you can go right from ready player one, right into ready player two. So Boom. love it. So, all right. Very good. So, Brett, you have survived the FSF podcast inquisition. I mean, interview. And uh, we have one final question for you. We like to call it our silly question. Now, you may have thought some of the other questions were silly, but we really intended for this one to be the silly one. So here it goes. If you, Brett Smith, were a WWE superstar, what would your entrance song be? Oh. Dude, oh my gosh how dare you throw this at me like this a week to, to plan oh my at goodness. this point he's upset that he has survived the fsf inquisition and the spanish inquisition would have been easier it would probably be like op the optimus prime theme song from transformers or something like that you know something that's just like like i'm coming you know, I'm coming for you, you know? solid all right well i can't argue with that well, I've never thought like when I, I've never given it thought. I've never thought like what mine would be. Huh. I'm gonna have to like run it around for a while. Yeah, Probably, now, like, now circus I'm not, music. I'm losing sleep over this for the next couple of nights now. Like, and I'm gonna just like <laughs> that's the song. I like. I'm gonna let you guys know. There's, there's one awesome. I might take a page from Bo Roberts and uh, do. He ended up doing uh, under, under the, the sea. sea. Yeah. Oh, he was at, he was actually uh, one of the guys that we we interviewed. Oh. His name is Bo Roberts. He's a uh, uh, indie filmmaker as well, and and he had he was an MMA fighter for a while. And his last cage fight, he came out to under the sea trying to throw off the other guy. I'm oh. like, yeah, like that totally would have done it for me. Yeah, under the sea. Yeah, under the sea. Did you get the win? As long as you got the win. I yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Asked. I don't know if we asked. I was so thrown personally. I was so thrown off by the fact that it was under the sea because I was not expecting that. It was truly a, a one of those holy crap you just said under the sea moments. So yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I think that. I would I would have to go with like the the classic um, entry of the gladiators, which is like the the straight circus theme song. Like when you think of old circus, you think of the that's called entry of the gladiators i would go with that one just to completely throw people off white trash millionaire blackstone by a band called blackstone cherry check it out it's a really cool song oh man you're ready you you, 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 you okay that's i good. thought I, about this since i put the I question like in that. so i like that i like yeah that. it's a really cool they're a really cool southern uh southern rock style southern style rock band it's really cool oh amazing amazing so well, Brett, thank you so much for being on our show today. Where can our listeners go to find out more about you and your your works or upcoming works? You bet. Yeah. So I am horrible on social media. So I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Instagram is Brett Fortis, Brett with Fortis Smith um, on Instagram. Again, don't expect much. There's not much there. But but when something is happening, I'll, I'll post it there and let people know. I've got a project I'm working on outside of Neverland, which, again, I think is going to be 
time in the making. You know, it'll, it'll be a Freedom's Path-esque kind of a, a venture, but I'm working with uh, actor Tom Skerritt on a film of his. It's a, it's a beautiful story. It takes place during World War II and it's about the children that are left at home as their dads are off fighting. And it's mm. kind of, a, it's kind of a, a standby me meets Goonies with like Dead Poet Society feeling in it. And really, oh, wow. really excited about that one. And uh, hopefully we're gonna be shooting that later this year is the hope. Fingers crossed, but knowing with my track record, I'll be a grandfather by the time that one's in production. So, <laughs> oh man. So yeah, so that's that's kind of what I have have going on, and uh, just you know, just just keep going forward day by day. Oh goodness, you say Dead Poet Society, and I'm like, and I'm gonna cry <laughs> again. You will was, this one too. This oh, one you will too. Sloth love to... Captain. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how Goonies fit in there, but oh, adventure! Yeah, there's there's some good adventure. I, I can tell okay. you the whole synopsis, but I won't right now. We're, no, that's good. I'm. Oh, I'm it sounds really cool. Man, well, I want to watch Dead Poet Society again too, but then I'm still gonna cry. Gosh, you know Robin right. Williams, man, he's great. Oh, I love that movie. I love that movie so much. Oh, but we will definitely link the socials, the website. We will make sure that people check out Freedom's Path because. It's it's a twelve year project. It deserves the attention. It it's your it's your little. I mean, you've got your own kids too. Those those are probably more important. It's but the film baby. It's, it's, it's a, a film baby. It's a film baby. It is. Those are eighteen year projects. <laughs> yeah, those are those are a whole other chunk of work. They're <laughs> yes, they are. Tim's like you'd like to think it stops at eighteen. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. Not, Ask yeah. Tim's parents. It doesn't. <laughs> they're still they're still saying no. All <laughs> right, guys. We want to remind you that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to help us uh, continue to grow and get amazing guests like Brett Smith here today, so we can have these great conversations and moments for you to laugh at and think fun things for you to be able to listen to. So please subscribe. It helps us more than we can really ever describe to you. But make sure that you go out and check out Brett's work as well. We've talked about a couple different movies here today. We talked about. The Neverland short, which he's hoping to he's hoping to to translate that into a uh, feature length film, and then of course Freedom's Path, which just came out uh, here recently and is just being met with rave reviews. And it, to what your uh, to what your appetite for it, check out the trailer. As a matter of fact, we'll link the trailer in the comments down below so you guys can get a flavor of what this movie is about. And the trailer alone will make you want to go see the movie. At least it did for me. I was hooked. So, but. With all that aside, if for whatever reason you are not happy with the content of our show today, as always, please feel free to lodge a complaint with the head of our complaint department with the one hat that I didn't see Brett seem to ever wear, and that's the editor. Now, we've talked about this issue before. Editors find mistakes, and God knows we make a lot of them. Therefore, obviously, we have reason to worry. But I want you to remember that when you send your complaint form into Brett's editor, you should probably be kind as well since editors make mistakes disappear if you make a mistake on your form i'm not saying but i'm just saying it might not end out well for you either so just remember be kind we didn't mean to do a bad job we aren't bad people we're just bad podcasters thanks again brett thank you so much thank you guys this so much was great. Such an awesome pleasure you guys are amazing oh thank you Okay, guys, that's going to conclude us today for the FSF Popcast. Goodbye. Ciao. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of the FSF Popcast, we want to thank you for listening to this episode. 
if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, please contact us by means of Twitter or Instagram using the handle at FSFPopCast or go to www.fsfpopcast.com and click on the contact me. Thanks again and hope you enjoyed the episode. Copyright 2023 FSF Podcast. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned on this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by FSF Podcast. The views expressed by the guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at info at fsfpopcast.com. Original music by Jordan Michaels.